I want you to uh, blame me. Paula's out of town, so I dressed myself. I picked out my tie and shirt, so if things clash, it's all on me. Do me a favor, don't say anything to her. In fact, just just say, Rick, sure did look good Sunday morning. <laughs> Give me a few points there, okay. Glad you're here today. We sure do love you. And uh, hope you'll go by after church and talk to some of these people about what they're doing and how you can get involved. If nothing else, just encourage them in what they're doing. God has gifted you with a special gift and talent. Usually that comes uh, forth in a burden and an interest and a capacity. Um, and so you know you're, you're functioning within your spiritual gift when you have maximum fruit with minimum effort. It doesn't mean you don't work hard, but you delight to do it. And you get more fruit in that area with, with little effort compared to other areas. Uh, we're going to look in Philippians 2 in just a moment. Uh, I was putting together this message. The last thing I do when I put together a sermon is to uh, to put the introduction on it. You can't introduce a person till you know who the person is. And you can't introduce a sermon till you know what the sermon is. So I put the, I get the big idea, you get that from the text. And then I put the message together. And then I, the very last thing I do on Saturday is I put together the introduction. And that is to, not only to secure an interest, but it's almost like the front porch of the house. Uh, to make it inviting, a hook, if you will, to pull people into it. As I begin to to think about uh, this final message on ministry, uh, how do I want to introduce this message, which is really just one of, it's just one sermon that I've just kind of chopped up. You can call it a series. It's just one sermon. But uh, I thought about two ladies uh, in my life. Most of you have never heard their names. There's a few people that have because you went to church with me uh, many years ago. But most of you have never heard of these ladies. Uh, one lady, is uh, her name is Gladys Lamb. And the other lady is Margaret Blanton. These ladies took care of me when I was a baby. They took care of my sister Melanie. And they took care of Hoss. Uh, they worked faithfully in our nursery for, uh, I believe, over 30 years, and maybe upwards of 40 years. I don't have the exact number. But they were, they were in, in the nursery. Now, understand what I'm about to say. Some of you will appreciate this more than other people. They were in our nursery every week. Not every service, but in one service every week. And uh, they never, never complained about it. They, they loved doing it. They loved children. They loved the families uh, that ministered there. And because my mom and dad, they worked in the nursery, uh, we got to know them very well. And uh, Lamb lived across the street from the church. And uh, uh, Miss Margaret didn't live too far away. And this was their, their dedicated ministry. And I began to think about... Uh, these sweet Christians who are in heaven now, as I begin to put these, these thoughts on paper, actually I'd already put them together and wanted to know how to uh, introduce it to you. 
And I thought about two passages of Scripture because they, they loved what they did. And one of them is in Philippians 2. If you look there, Philippians chapter 2, look at verse 12. Where the Bible says, Philippians 2, 12, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, that is, you weren't just an obedient Christian when I was around, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation. Now, I want you to notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say work for your salvation. Now, you can't work out something that hasn't been worked in. Christ lived in their heart. So here's what he's saying. I want you to work out what's already been worked in. Because you are saved because Christ lives in you. I want you to work out what he's already put in there with fear and trembling. It's an awesome thing. When I use the word awesome, I'm not using it the way we use it today. Oh, that was awesome food or that was an awesome. I mean, it's a terrifying thought. It's an awesome thing to have a gift. And to have a calling and not to use it. Work out your own salvation. That is what God has put into you with fear and trembling. For it is God. It is God. And here's what you're working out. Which work is in you? God put that in there. God gave you the burden. God gave you the capacities. And here it is both to will. uh, He gives you the desire and to do. He gives you the ability. Isn't that a wonderful thing? If he just gave me one, one side of the equation, I'd be miserable. He gives me the desire and the ability. What if God gave you the desire to do something but not the ability? That'd be terrible, wouldn't it? I know some people that have the desire to sing. They don't have the ability. Now, sadly, sometimes they're not miserable, but we are when we hear them. Um, and then some people have the ability, but they don't, they don't have the desire. They, they're good at what they do, but, but they don't really have a desire to do it. The Bible says that God, through His grace, will give you the desire and the ability. And it comes, watch this, of His good, I like this, of His good pleasure, of God's hand upon your life. And notice the last phrase here, verse 14. And, and I thought about this one. I thought about lamb. That's what we called uh, Gladys Lamb. We just called her by her first name. Lamb and Miss Blanton. Do all things. And do everything, but specifically do what God has called you. The things that you're working out, your ministry. Do everything you do for Jesus without murmurings and disputings. Don't be a complainer. Don't be a griper. Do what God has called you to do. It. Do it with a sense of privilege. Do it with a sense of honor. And then I thought about this text when I thought about these two sweet ladies. And, and I, I read this to you a week or two ago in Psalm 100 in verse 2, where the Bible says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. Isn't that good? Serve the Lord with gladness. Here are these two, two faithful servants of the Lord. Um, Probably, and I'm not for sure, I may be wrong about this, but probably that never went to college. And that doesn't mean they, they weren't successful. I'm just emphasizing something that's emphasized today that we equate with success. That have gone on to be with the Lord, but I'm still talking about them and still thinking about them. And I'm sure that uh, they, they would be over 100 years old now. 
And what set their ministry apart was not, listen to this, was not just the longevity of it, but was their spirit. They served the Lord with gladness, and they did it with that murmuring and disputing. Now, we can't have a a strong church without servants. And as I said, it's not just the longevity. We're not just in here trying to get people to to find a ministry and, and do that ministry for the long haul. But we want people, God wants you to have the right spirit, small s. And it's the Holy Spirit, capital S, God himself, that enables you to have the right spirit as you do the work of God. So here's a question. What was it that caused Lamb and Margaret Blanton to have a sweet spirit? Well, there's a couple of things, but the answer to this question is at the root of why people, number one, don't have a ministry. And number two, they only have a ministry as long as it is not inconvenient. Because the reason they had a ministry that long and that effective, and I've said this every single sermon, I'm going to say it again, is because they were ministers. Now let me put it this way. You cannot have a ministry long term, an effective ministry, a joyful ministry, if you're not a minister. And that's why the thrust of these messages that I've just hit over and over and over, and one of the benefits of just me, me hitting this thing, it's like a nail with a hammer, and you come one Sunday and probably so I'm glad you're finishing this, well, I'm glad you've probably got it, maybe. And I hit it from a nail on this Sunday with a hammer. And then the next Sunday, I come and hit it from a little different angle. But I hit it here, same nail. And then you come the next Sunday, I hit it from a little different angle, but I hit the same nail over here. You cannot, you cannot have a ministry unless you're a minister. Listen to this. The heart of the minister precedes the work of the ministry. That's why that God does such a a deep work in the heart of the person that does the ministry. Now, I want to make a statement that you may disagree with this, but I believe it. That's why in a sense, in a sense, that's why the worker is more important than the work. Now, the work's important. I I remember when, when I grew up, we heard messages about the work of God. The work of God is important, and it is important. But you know, when God put Moses in the ministry, Moses lived 120 years, God prepared him for 80 years. And for Abraham's ministry, he prepared him for the bulk of his life for a very small part. Jesus lived for 33 years, And he only had three years of ministry. He spent 30 years of preparation for his public ministry. That doesn't mean he didn't minister other times. But what was God doing? He was preparing the heart of the worker for the work. He was preparing the heart of the minister for the ministry. And and my, my purpose for these messages has been not just to emphasize the work, not just to... And I like what we're doing today. Don't misunderstand what I'm going to say. But not just one Sunday, say, hey, everybody sign up. And everybody say, well, yeah, I'll do something. 
and then three months later, you forget about it. Or worse, three years later, you're still doing it, but you're murmuring and you're disputing and complaining. And we got a bad spirit in the church because we have ministries, but we don't have ministers. Here's what I know. If you are a minister, you will have a ministry. So as we close out this, this series of messages on, on what ministry looks like, uh, ministry looks like service. Service looks like love. I said that when, when, you, when you minister to people, that is birthed when you love God. And then as you love God, you begin to love other people. Now, an immature person is selfish. Well, you take a little baby, everything's uh, wrapped around the baby. Uh, we have a lot of uh, young grandkids, and my uh, children have all grown up. Most of them have. But uh, my kids have grown up. But when your children are little, they're supposed to be uh, selfish because they're not redeemed and so forth. But when they get older, they're supposed to be a little others conscious. They're supposed to be aware that there's another world around there. Maturity realizes that life is not about me. And what happens is people get into a church and there's a, there's a spiritual immaturity where that, hey, this church is about me. Well, you know, Pastor, we just, we're just not getting the stuff we wanted here. And, you know, uh, we wanted this and we needed this. I remember many years ago, I, I'd been here for about a year and a half as the pastor. And a sweet lady, a, a good lady, I, I may have told this story one other time. And she was a good singer. And we are trying to get our choir going and so forth. And uh, she said, well, I, I'm just going to. I'm just going to go to another church because I'm looking for uh, a place that, that's got a, a, a choir. Well, we had a small ensemble, basically. And I said, yes, ma'am. But I, I couldn't help but think, well, we're never going to get one if, if you don't stay. I mean, we, we've, we've, got to, we've got to have a starting place. And then I remember uh, I was watching television maybe six months later. And they had a local church, a very large local church. It's a good church, good Bible-believing church. And I was watching the preacher preach, and before he preached, they, the choir sang, and they, they put the camera real slow. And Oh, there she is in the choir with about 130 people. I'm glad she found her ministry, but I'm thinking, you know what? She wanted, she wanted something that was all preset. I want something where I, I, I don't have to work and so forth. Now, here's the thing, that that may have been God's will for her. It may have been God's will for us. But I also know that you have to be careful. Are you listening? You have to be careful that your heart, whether it's a local church or in your marriage or, or the work you're in or anything else, is not, well, I want all this prefabricated. I want all this fixed. I mean, what would you do if your staff did that? Every one of us, myself, Tim, Daniel, when we came in here, everything wasn't fixed. Now, I'm not just talking about the buildings. I'm talking about the, the salary situation. I'm talking about the office situation, everything. Well, I'll tell you what, we, we've got a better situation over here. Uh, they, they've got more opportunity. There's more people. There's more money. 
And we just, we just feel a, a, a better burden over there. I told uh, my son, one of my boys, I said, I'm troubled uh, by, the, by the lack of longevity by, by some pastors. They'll stay here for four years and here for three years. And, and they're climbing the ladder. It seems that every, every move they take is a larger church. Now, I'm not saying that's not the will of God for some. I want to be careful what I'm saying. But I told my boy, I said, isn't it interesting that they don't go to a smaller church? Would that never be the will of God? That God would equip a man and he would go, to, and, and some, some fellows do. But I'll be honest with you, you don't see it very much. Whether it's a senior pastor or an associate pastor. Because I'll be honest with you. I see a lot of immaturity. Yeah, but pastor, but, 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 it's, you don't understand. Oh, I think I do understand. I think what we're seeing is, is how this is going to affect me and my comfort and so forth. So what are the characteristics of, of this kind of ministry, of a service that is motivated by, by ministry, by loving God and loving people? What are the measurable qualities? Well, last week, and I've given you a list of them, but I said, when I love people, I put other people first. Love considers others first. And I spent a lot of time on that. I'm not going to say any more about that. Love puts other people first. Secondly, last week, I said, when I love people, I reach more people for Christ. The gospel message is a message of love. It ought to be embodied not just the message of the gospel, but in the messenger of the gospel. If the messenger of the gospel embodies the message of the gospel, and he's in alignment with it, he or she will reach more people. I gave you this silly illustration, but it's the truth. If you go out and tell somebody about Jesus, you know, I hope you'll know the Lord. You'll, you'll know the joy of God. You know, look at him real stern. God will make you happy. Uh, it, 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 there's no alignment there. You know, you get, get before your kid. Kids were going to church. It's a fun place. Well, have, have a good time tonight. Going to enjoy Christmas class. Jesus, make you happy. It, it just doesn't go good. I've heard preachers literally say before, God loves you. And I think I, I, I'm being a little bit exaggerated, but sometimes not much. And here we, we have the greatest message in the world, the word gospel. We get the word evangel from it. The word evangelism means good news. Got the best news in the world. Went to the doctor this week and he said, uh, going to a neurologist for some, for some headaches I have frequently. And... Uh, he said, well, well, let's let's try some new stuff. And I said, okay. So he's telling me about this new treatment he wants to do. And I said, well, the FDA just passed it in September. I'm thinking, well, I don't know about that. So I had a lot of questions. Well, how many people have you put on it? Well, what kind of studies? I don't know. So we're kind of delving into that and asking some stuff. And... Uh, I mean, what would you do if somebody gave you good news? 
that you knew that, that this, this is going to, to help somebody. It's a cure for a disease. Or, or you got a boatload of money for somebody. Well, God told me to give you a lot of, to write this big check for you. You wouldn't do that. Hey, man, I got some great news for you. Got some good news for you. You see, we, we do not embody the message sometimes. And we hinder people coming to Jesus because we, we don't embody that. We need to care for people. Number three, when I love people, I serve Christ. When I love people, I serve Christ. You say, Brother Rick, how, how, do, I, how do I serve Jesus? How can I serve the Lord? Are you listening? You serve the Lord by serving people. Period. You serve Jesus when you serve people. Do you understand that? Oh, do you get that? This is not mystical. It's practical. Ultimately, your ministry is offered to Jesus when you serve people. This morning as I preach, I'm I'm preaching in a sense to Jesus. I'm doing this for Jesus. When the choir sings, they sing for Jesus. Jeff is back there this morning. He's ministering for Jesus. Andrew's back there doing what he's doing. He's doing this for Jesus. Those of you that, that went through your ministries this morning, and, and during the week, maybe not today, and those that were behind the scenes, whatever you did, you did that for Jesus. I'm telling you, this is transformative. When I love other people, it means that, I, that I'm, I'm loving Christ, I'm serving Christ. You're in Philippians. Just turn turn it back one page, maybe two pages. Look at Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians chapter six, and uh, in the section here, he's talking about uh, employment, employers and employees. But notice in verse six, Ephesians six six, he's talking about uh, serving one another here, and he says, "When when you serve, Ephesians six says, don't don't do this with eye service." That means don't keep your eye on the clock. Don't keep your eye on the job. Don't, don't keep your eye on the boss. When he's around, you do your best work. Well, I'll do my best work. What time? I can't wait till it hits. I can't wait to go home. Thank God it's Friday. I've got to get out of here. Okay? Not with eye service. Notice this. As men pleasers. Well, I'm just doing this for the company. I'm going to church because... I have to. I'm showing up because, you know, I told Brother Tim I'd be in the choir. I told Brother Daniel I'd help at the youth activity. You know, I'm supposed to, it's my turn to usher today. It's my, my turn in the nursery. You know, I service. People are going to know if I'm not there. Men pleasers, i got to, I'm doing this for people. No, you're doing it for Jesus. But as the servants of Christ. Doing the will of God from the heart. You see, when, when you do this for Christ, it, it allows you to do the will of God from the heart. And it allows you to, to do this with goodwill. With goodwill doing service. It changes your spirit. I, I'm not doing this for you. I'm do, now, I want to do this, for, but I'm doing it for Jesus. And when I do it for Jesus, I do it for you better. My attitude's better. I'm more joyful. 
I don't get mad when two or three people don't reciprocate whatever I may do in a good way. With goodwill doing service. And it hits it again. As to the Lord and not to men. Because it's not about you and it's not about other people. and that, It's about Him. And so when, when I serve people, ultimately I'm serving the Lord. Now this is such an important truth. You're, you're in Ephesians and the next book is Philippians. Over in Colossians chapter 3, he says the same thing in a different way. Colossians 3.23 and whatsoever you do, whatever you do, do it heartily. Let it, let it come out of your very soul. Now watch this. As to the Lord and not unto men. As to the Lord and not unto men. Whatever you do. Listen, this, this involves not just your church ministry, but when you go to work tomorrow. It's not about you. This is, you're serving God. The caliber of excellence. You, you leave your signature on everything. And if you do a sloppy job, you're, you're, you're leaving a, a bad reflection on Jesus. If you're a coach on the weekend and you do a sloppy job and you're not prepared, you give a bad reflection on Jesus. This, this whole thing is transformative. This is as to the Lord. And once you see this, Lord, I'm doing this for you. This is for you. It's easy to forget that, that though the ministry involves people, it's about serving God. Now, when I love people, I serve Christ. But ultimately, I'm serving Christ. And because I ultimately serve Christ, I will serve you better. I will do a better job at work. I'll be a better pastor. I'll be a better husband. Because I'm serving Christ. At the judgment day, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 37, Then shall the righteous answer Jesus, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee? Lord, we, ne- we never saw you hungry or thirsty, gave you drink. We, we never saw you hungry and thirsty. When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in? We never saw you like that. We never met you before. Or naked and clothed thee? When saw we thee sick? We never saw you sick or in prison and came unto thee? We never saw you. Lord, we never saw you under those circumstances. I love this next phrase. And the king, K-I-N-G. The king says, yes, you did. King Jesus said, yes, you did. The king shall answer and send to them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. You see, they only saw their ministry as unto people. But Jesus saw them as doing this unto me. You know, when, when you sang... You sang for me. When you showed up at choir practice at 5 o'clock and you were tired, you really wanted to take a nap, but you missed it. You did that for me. When you came to church that day and it was you missed out or sleep, you came ahead, you said, oh, I really don't want to get up. And you had to text your wife like I did last night. I said, make sure you call me to make sure I'm up. 
Thankfully, I was able to text her and say, I'm up. You don't need to call me. But you came anyway. You're doing that for Jesus. Everything you do is for Jesus. You see, listen, Jesus associates himself with his people. When the Apostle Paul was persecuting Christians in Acts chapter 9 and verse 4, the Bible says he fell to the earth and heard a voice. This was the Lord Jesus. And Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why says, why persecutest thou me? And Saul wasn't persecuting Jesus. He was persecuting Christians. But Jesus said, no, you're persecuting me. He took it personal. No, you're persecuting me. You're picking on me. You're hurting me. Now, the converse of that, the inverse of that is this, is, is when you bless other Christians, you're blessing me. So as we sang this morning, the, the hymn, Little is Much When God is in It. Next time you feel like your ministry is insignificant or it's not reciprocated or, or it's not honored, I want you to remember something. That you're doing this for Jesus. Everything in here, and there's ministries that aren't represented. We we just had some to put out. Everything you do here, you're doing for Jesus. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5, he said, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. And here's our role, ourselves, your servants. Now notice the last phrase. For Jesus' sake. For Jesus' sake. For Jesus' sake. I remember my kids would tell me when they work at Blue Plate, they said, Daddy, sometimes Christians have such a, a poor testimony at Blue Plate. I said, Well, what do you mean? They said, Well, with their demanding spirit, the way they treat some of the servers. They said, Dad, sometimes they'll come in there and there's this particular group. They'll take one of the larger tables and uh, <clears throat> there'll be like eight or ten people around a table. And they'll command the table and they'll get out their Bible study materials. And they'll, they'll argue. And we watch them and said, now we're Christians, but we know our unsaved servers and friends and they're watching and they'll be arguing over the Bible. I remember they're telling me this. I said, you you got to be kidding. No, Dad, they do. And they told me the church and who, and, and who it is. And some of the staff said, you got to be kidding. No. And they'll stay for, you know, two and a half hours. And then they'll leave the server $3. Then they told me about a pastor. They told me his name. They said, he comes in and, and he says, he's notorious. And he leaves the, the most penury amount that he can and always leaves a tract. And it just grieved my heart. It just grieved my heart for the gospel's sake. And I think, what kind of image of Jesus? Don't leave the tract. Don't even pray over your meal. Could I say this? What a hypocrite. If you want to argue, go to the church basement. Don't, don't go out in the market and represent Jesus that way. People are watching you. 
Now, I know that's kind of a corollary of what I'm saying, but it's very similar. People have this image of what Jesus is. I'm going to tell you because of, of how they grew up, because of business meetings, and because of the way that some things happened to them and so forth. How dare they, that some of us accommodate that. Listen, the way, the way that we, we serve Jesus is we serve people and we love people and we help them. Next, when I love, I reflect the heart of Jesus. You see, Jesus had the heart of a minister. And uh, I, I know a person has spent time with Jesus is when they, when they reflect his heart. Jesus told his disciples the night before he was crucified in Luke twenty two twenty seven, For whether is greater, he that sitteth at me, he that is being served, he that's at the head table, or he that serveth, or the waiter. Well, the world knew the answer to that question, well, not the waiter. Is not he that sitteth at me? That's what culture thought. And then Jesus said, but I am among you as he that serveth. I'm the waiter. I'm the foot washer. I'm the one that gets in line last. I'm the one that that takes the least. Matthew, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 10 and verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. And to give his life a ransom. Notice that. And to give. And to give. Jesus came to give, and he came to give his life. And to give his life a ransom for many. One of the things I, I, I love about my, my dad and my mom is they're givers. When you get around them, they just give. And, uh, and I want to be like that. When I go into an environment, I, I want to say, what, what, can I, what can I give here? Not so people will say I'm a giver. I just want to do that. I want to be a server. I, I, want, to, I want to love people. I, I want to realize that this is the way I serve Jesus. As if this person were the Lord Jesus. Lord, I owe you everything. I want to give my best. First John chapter 3 and verse 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God. Because he laid down his life for us. He laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Well, pastor, I, I think I'm just going to have to quit my Sunday school class. People just don't appreciate me. Well, we just had a little conflict in the youth ministry. Our kids, are, they just don't like it. I see so little Jesus in, in people. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. The Bible says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. This is one of my favorite verses in the New Testament about ministry. And with power. And Jesus went about doing good. Jesus went about doing good. It didn't say he did good. His, his one sentence biography 
is he went about doing good. Remember what I told you a few weeks ago that I like what one man said in his book. He said, I, I don't call it ministry. I just call it Tuesday. Well, that was a great ministry. Well, this is just Sunday. This is, this is Monday. This is not ministry. It's just whatever day it is. He went about being, doing good. You, you can be the eyes, the lips, the hands, and the feet of Jesus. But he just went about doing good. You know, some people will call you a do-gooder. And I know that there's kind of a, a legitimacy to that when people want credit for things. And they're kind of obnoxious. But as far as Acts 10, 38, man, I want to be a do-gooder like that. You can do this. The Holy Spirit of God will tell you they need a word. Their head is down. They need a word. Son, what's wrong? You doing okay? And, and, and you don't need to be in front of anybody. This is the ministry. This is the gospel ministry. Send them an email. Send them a text. He went about doing good. Some of you have resources. You have time. You have energy. You have money. And you're supposed to use that, not just on Sunday. Every single day, every waking minute, he went about doing good to his wife. He went about doing good to his children. He went about doing good to his parents. He went about doing good to his brothers and his sisters. This is what ministry is. The Bible says, when I love, I reflect the heart of Jesus. Jesus went about doing good. And last, when I love, I'm responding in deep gratitude to Christ for loving me. When I love, I'm responding in deep gratitude to Christ for loving me. I gave you some verses several weeks ago where that Paul said on a number of occasions that what I'm doing is not just a labor, but it's a labor of love. Okay, this is a little different. When I do something for Christ, it's not only a labor of love, but it's a labor of gratitude. It's a labor of indebtedness. And when you see yourself as a debtor, you never repay your debt. And, and when you see yourself as a debtor, you, you gladly, joyfully, gratefully, and lovingly do what you're supposed to do. I love this verse. I love this verse. First Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10. Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Notice how many times he talks about grace here. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. He's talking about the other apostles. But it wasn't me. But it was the grace of God, which was with me. It wasn't me. It was God's grace. Three times he talks about the grace of God in that verse. Here's what he's saying. Everything in me 
that I do for God, the beginning, the ending, and the middle, is the grace of God. God has saved me. He empowers me. He enables me. He sustains me. Did you know that the word grace just means gift? That's all it means. And here's what he's saying. The, the gift, the gifts that God has given to me is they stir me. That's what he's saying here. They equip me, but they stir me. There's a song Rusty Goodman wrote that I love. When I think about what God has done for me, he says, who am I? First. Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, Paul said, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before, he's thinking about his past life, a blasphemer, a persecutor, injurious. That means he hurt other people. He was a bully. He said, but I obtained mercy. And I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of God, the the gift of God, was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which was in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. When I think about about my life, and of course the advantage of a preacher who lived with his sermons, he ought to. And I've been thinking about this for a while. And I think about how I got saved as a nine-year-old boy. And I think about how I grew up in a Christian home. Some people don't need to grow up in a Christian home. And I think about how that, though I was a very quiet kid, that um, some people saw some potential in me. And they gave me opportunities to play the piano, to speak. I never, I never would have picked me to be a preacher. I still wouldn't. But in God's grace, he gave me a chance. Went to a little church up in Dayton, Tennessee. A musty church. It didn't even smell good. And there was a, a beautiful lady there named Paula Hall. And God graced me with her. I have seven wonderful children. I have seven in heaven. I've had the privilege to to be a part of several ministries. I have friends all over all over America and in many places of the world. If God never did another thing for me, I am a blessed man. I am a blessed man. And I I must serve Him. I must serve Him. Because I'm indebted to Him. Because I owe Him. Because I'm grateful. 
want you to sing it with me. If you would. I'll get it started. We don't have the words, but you know what I think. I will serve thee because I love. Sing it with me. You have given life. I was nothing. before you found me you have given life to me heartaches broken pieces ruined lives touch I want you to bow your head with me for a moment if you would <clears throat>